97% of salespeople are missing this one thing that if they only knew it would allow them to close 75% more sales. It has nothing to do with charisma, the gift of gab, or whatever else you've been told. Because if you're trying to convince your customer, that means they don't want to buy, which means you've already lost the sale. What sales professionals do is sell customers exactly what they want to buy. They work with the customer to uncover their current challenges, the consequences of those challenges, and how that's impacting them. They then help the prospect describe the ideal solution to their problems, what that looks like, and how that perfect outcome will impact them. And once they can picture that perfect outcome, price is irrelevant. That's right. Sales professionals sell customers exactly what they want to buy because it's easier dealing with a happy customer than dealing with a customer who felt sold. So here's the deal. I explain everything in my live two-day sales workshop, June 14th and 15th in my office. Go to closemoresales.com workshop and you'll be able to close more sales as soon as you get back. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about certainty, a topic that feels more important today than ever before. But all in all, always an important topic. We've got my good friend Paul Sparks here. He's not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified certainty advisor. A wise man once said, if you look at the last three years by months and turn all your negative months into zeros, what happens to your bottom line? That was brought to you by Dan Nicholson. Now, I am personally on a mission to create 100 millionaires. The information on this podcast alone is enough to help you become a millionaire in the next five to seven years. If you'll take consistent action, I assure you, I assure you, you will become one. And if you get value today, please tag a friend below, share this episode right now. That way we can all grow together. So, Paul, you want to jump into the six word updates? Yep, absolutely. So here's mine. Operating agreements, private lenders, new cohort. Oh, we're going to definitely have to dive into that. Uh, so for me, skills challenge index explains self sabotage. So real quick, if you guys didn't watch last week's episode, Paul, can you explain what the six word update is? Yeah, it's a way to take your thoughts and bring them into a more condensed version. It forces you to be concise and get your thoughts down in you know, six words or less. So we share this as a way to reflect and journal on our weeks, but really to make, you know, force ourselves to be concise. Yeah. It's like, uh, how you take a, a blog or a post, something like that, and you got to uh, get it down to 144 characters, right? For Twitter. Now we're talking about six word updates. You can get your clear thought into six words. <laughs> then you really, you know, you, you've been able to have clarity a, 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 uh, out of that. So you want to elaborate a little bit on what your six word update is, Paul? Yeah. So, Operating agreements, private lenders, new cohorts, just different things I'm working on at the moment. As you know, we're uh, we're going through some process of finalizing our operating agreements, and those are always just a joy to read. So I've <laughs> <laughs> been reading through that, and we've been going back and forth and making a few changes. Uh, at the moment, I'm working on some real estate deals where we're raising some money, working through some, some new private lenders, trying to bring some new money on, which is exciting. Um, developing relationships with new private lenders is always fun. And then new cohort, we've got an, our next whale club cohort is starting on the 31st. So we're getting excited for that. We've got brand new program that we're going to be introducing. It's going to be six weeks now instead of four. Very exciting stuff. Uh, we do have a few spots left in that. So I've been working to, to get that cohort finalized and off and running here in a few weeks. All right. And then for myself personally, I learned about the skills challenge index, which is basically you got high challenge, high skill. High challenge, low skill, low challenge, low skill, and then low challenge, high skill. And uh, what I've learned is that I don't like staying. I only like being in the high challenge, high skill 
arena. So the moment I get good at something uh, and it's no longer challenging, I'm bored by it, which explains <laughs> this shiny object syndrome and why I don't finish things. The moment I figured it out, I'm no longer interested. And uh, unfortunately, everyone around me has to <laughs> suffer that, uh, that around me. So that's why I say self-sabotage. So today we're gonna be talking about the five reasons bad things happen in the markets. So Paul, what, what, what are we talking about here? Man, so whether this is crypto, real estate, stocks, whatever, if you're investing, there are certain things that we've observed that uh, lead to bad things happening. And we've been able to synthesize that down into five things specifically that we want to talk about today. So, yeah. So what's the first one? Well, this is a this is a term from Mr. Dan Nicholson. He calls it the solvable problem. So the first problem is you don't have a solvable problem. And what that means is you don't have a clear goal or understanding of what you're trying to, to go after here. So we talk a lot about the idea of getting closer versus chasing more. And when people, that's probably the number one mistake that I've made in the past and that I've seen other people make in the past is you know, chasing more. We see this in real estate manifest itself and wanting to grow the business and scale and scale and scale. But of course, what you really want is more time with your family, more time to pursue other interests and things. And, and we have a tendency to chase more. And in fact, a lot of these decisions get us further away from what we want. And so without clarity, without a clear solvable problem, you're just kind of flying blind. You're making guesses, you're gambling, uh, in crypto specifically, we see this come out in, you know, people trying to to buy the bottom and sell the top, and and really the question isn't, well, should I sell? Should I should I buy? It's like, does this action get you closer to the things that you want, which is your solvable problem? Right. Uh, the what I see in the Discord channel sometimes is like, uh, no one ever got broke by making a profit. Um, I, you know, like you got to take profit. So, I mean, there's so many case and points for this one, right? Like the first one is it, for me is I got into this business so that I could have more time freedom, financial freedom. And what I've since learned is relationship freedom and the freedom to pursue excellence. Right. But once we start, we completely forget why we started. So we don't go after time, freedom and financial freedom. We go after more. Why? Well, Paul just did a deal where he made $250,000. Now I need to find a deal where I can make $250,000. I saw on a podcast, this guy's doing a half a million a month. I now need to make half a million a month. I'm in a mastermind where these guys are doing hundreds of deals a year, or this guy has a portfolio of 500 properties. Well, now I have to go chase 500 properties. And what have I done? I am no longer chasing time freedom. I'm no longer chasing financial freedom. I'm chasing an object. I'm chasing a target that is not even in line with my target or at least not the target I stated when I started. So uh, have, you, have you seen that, Paul? Yeah, it's just moving the goalpost, right? It just keeps moving further and further back because of comparison. I've, you know, the, the phrase comparison is the thief of joy. Mm -hmm. And as, as a lot of us are type A entrepreneurs, it's, we're, we're competitive. And of course that goalpost moves, especially in the real estate market. There's a lot of shiny objects. There's just an, it's an infinite number of things to pursue in the real estate world. You know, uh, look at single family. I mean, there's wholesale, there's fix and flip, there's novations, there's seller financing. There's just all these things you can do. And of course you see somebody else doing a, 
an ovation or a creative finance deal and you're like, how do I do one of those deals? Yeah. Um, and the question really should be, do, do these actions get me closer to the things that I want? And this is the part of, this is the problem is there's just no clarity when we, when we approach investing, it's this idea of chasing more, you know, we see this in the crypto world, the phrase, when moon, right? When moon, um, they're just waiting for it to, to rip, you know, waiting for that, that, that coin to pump, you know, and I was, I was having a conversation with PD earlier today and, uh, you know, he was telling me like, nobody can buy the top. We've been doing this for forever. You know, these guys who've been in crypto forever, no one can buy the top because it's impossible to know when the top is. It's impossible to know when the bottom is. So what we need is we need to get out of, of what the outside world is doing, what other mm -hmm. people are doing. And we need to look internally and say like, are these things helping us get closer to what we want? And it comes back to the solvable problem, which is essentially just taking your goals and turning them into a math equation. We got to know where we're starting and where we're going. So we know the most efficient route to get there. Yeah. So I, I got another one. Have you ever seen my time management uh, presentation? I have. Yeah. All right. So do you remember that part I talk about like uh, the, the Tesla, right? Or the BMW hybrid, you know, like I literally bought a hybrid and then I went and actively went to buy a, a Prius that had a blue plate on it. So I can move it from the Prius to the BMW hybrid so I can drive in the carpool lane. Um, and it sounds ridiculous, right? Like I paid 6,000 for a Prius so I can move the plate over and then sold it for $4,500. But who here wouldn't pay $1,500 so they can drive in the carpool lane whenever they want? I think most people would, but who's taking action that lines up with that? And I know it sounds crazy, but like that is, I value my time. So I'm going to invest in something that gives me more time. So. Uh, for everyone that's listening then, you know, what advice would you give someone so they have more clarity on, on the uh, solvable problem versus the more? It comes down to the solvable problem breaks down into really two areas. You have core priorities. Core priorities are made up of things like your retirement money, your cash flow that you need, your reserves, basic things like that. Uh, I think of this as a core capital number. So for a lot of us, we say, well, you know, if I had a million dollars, I could live the life that I want. If I had $5 million, I could live the life that I want. 10 million, insert whatever number it is based on what your your preferences are. Um, and so you have your core priorities and then you have your preferences. So certain things that you might want. Some of us like to spend three weeks a year in Hawaii. Others prefer to, you know, insert whatever whatever it is for you, whatever you want in your life taking these things and adding and adding them up to try to at least get close to a number that we can work towards over a certain time frame is what the solvable problem is so for example you know you say well i want to have 10 million dollars in core capital in the next 10 years so that i can fund x y and z here's my core priorities that's how we think of a solvable problem we just need to be able to to, to know whether we're getting closer or further away from our goals yeah, and I think one of the, the easiest ones to talk about as far as uh, entrepreneurs is, is we hear so many people say, like, I, I value my family. I, my, my, I want to spend more time with my family, right? I'm working hard today so I can spend more time with my family. When the question really should be, what can I do today so that I can spend more time with my family? Because if you've got young kids, preteens, teenagers, whatever, like, they value you now way more <laughs> than later on when they're growing up and you want to spend time with them, they're like, dad, it's too late. Like, 
I, I wanted you in my life when I was growing up, not when we're rich, right? Like that's not what they want. What was it? How do kids spell love? T-I-M-E. So mm -hmm. just something to think about. So what is uh, what is number two? Number two is FOMO and urgency. Um, you know, FOMO, we, we probably don't see this as much in the real estate space, although we definitely do. It's just heightened in the, in the crypto world. Uh, you know, you see, it's funny because a lot of people make buying decisions because they see stock go, uh, or, or charts going up, right? So they buy when it goes up and they sell when it's going down, which is kind of funny. Most people, you know, that are, that are doing this, they're making decisions just based off what the chart's doing. Mm -hmm. And of course they have FOMO and they want to rush in. And so what we've seen a couple things, especially with what we're teaching in the whale club is people see this, this strategy, how to build this, this business treasury with passive income. And like, it just triggers something in their brain, right? And it's like, okay, I got to move a bunch of money in here. I've got to, you know, allocate to this. I mean, I got to go all in. <laughs> got to go all in, right? And this this sense of urgency, this all or nothing thinking, is what is what blows people up. I mean, we've seen it countless times in the the crypto space, uh, buying buying the top, selling the bottom because you know emotions take over. And so this is really just an emotional problem. It's yeah. a human problem. But I'm curious, how do you see this show up in real estate? Well, so real quick before I answer that, um, FOMO for us uh, older folks, fear of missing <laughs> out, right? Um, and then I've seen this happen actually for myself personally uh, in the crypto world as far as uh, missing out on opportunity to mint something, right? So Discord, if you guys are getting on the Discord, you know, if you're, if you're listening to this and you've never been on Discord before, first thing you do is just turn off all your DMs so that's where all the scams are. So like. I saw like, oh, there's a minting opportunity. Jump in here. And I minted two and a half ETH. And at that time, you know, ETH was like $3,000. So like that was just gone, right? I threw two and a half ETH out the window on some total scam. As far as real estate, I mean, I think that you look at uh, masterminds, you know, like maybe you're joining all these masterminds because you, you don't want to miss out on connecting with some people. Uh, you might be buying a course, uh, a mentorship or this and that. And look, I love education, right? But maybe you're buying something because you're fearing you don't have some information that you need. When oftentimes you have the information, you might need some guidance, but oftentimes everyone has the information they need. You know, almost all you need to know to run a successful business probably today, you just may not be taking the action necessary. And you feel like if I sign up for this, then this is going to give me everything I need to know now. Right? So there's that, that FOMO uh, situation urgency. I mean, we see it all the time, right? Like sign up now before the price goes up. Uh, you see this in, in real estate courses and so on. And then I think also you look at like, you know, unfortunately some, uh, some people that have been scammed in the real estate world is, uh, you know, this opportunity is closing. Uh, you know, I, I just think back to like all that swampland in, in Florida when I was a kid, you know, like, Hey, jump in now, or, or you're going to miss out on this opportunity. So I think it exists. We don't maybe see it as much cause we're on the front lines. Uh, because we're actively in the business, but I think for other people that like, like for us, finding deals is not the hard part. That's not the hard part for you. That's not the hard part for me. And probably not the hard part for a lot of people watching the show. But if you're working a nine to five, you got a W2, you know, and I want to get into real estate. Oh, this deal popped up. I better jump on it right now, even though I don't know the questions to ask on whether there's a good deal or not. So I think that's where yeah, FOMO shows up quite a bit. Uh, an urgency, uh, a false urgency showing up in real estate. Oh yeah. So Dan talks about this 
framework that he calls case. I think this was this came from a, a military that the OODA loop. I think I've heard this the before. OODA loop, yeah. Yeah, the OODA loop. But he calls it case. So case mm-hmm. stands for collect, analyze, strategize, execute. Um, and so like what we do, what I do at least, is uh, I hear about something I want and I immediately jump right to strategize and execute. Okay, great. How do I get my money in here? And how do I, you know, buy this coin? We're going right into it. Or, you know, you you go to a mastermind, like you said, and you hear about some amazing marketing strategy that you've never heard of before. And it's like, well, look at all these these people who are doing all these deals. It's like, here's my money. Please take it. Let me execute on this as quickly as possible. We don't take time to, to compile. So C stands for compile or collect. A stands for analyze. And we just jump right to strategize and execute. Mm-hmm. And so... That was a massive eye-opening experience for me, going through the crypto world, realizing how fast I jump right to strategize and execute, and then taking it back and saying, well, where am I violating this in my real estate business? And I'm just as guilty as you. We're all humans, right? This is what we try to create as salespeople. We're trying to create FOMO and urgency. So it's, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it just needs to be checked. And this is the things that these are the things that can wreck people, especially in in the crypto world, but but certainly in the real estate market as well. Overspending on things that you think you need, you know, when it's like really what you need to go do is pick up the phone and call some sellers, right? Yeah. <laughs> but well, what think- we want to do is we want to find the next thing. We've had this fear of missing out on whatever that magic bullet is, and instead, a lot of times it's like, look, just go back to the basics, pick up the phone and call a seller. Well, you look at case right again compile analyze strategize and execute we don't even spend that much time in the strategize <laughs> a lot of us we're like in the last 10 percent of strategize and then we execute right because we don't right. even look at the strategies we just look at the tactics right we're like oh that tactic works it's not that strategy works right because strategy kind of covers like you know what is what are the things that we have to do tactics is like the how do we do it so we take the how we don't even take the full strategy we just take a couple of tactics from a strategy and we execute we're like oh my god why didn't this work yeah well, and the question needs to also be asked, like, does this get me closer to my solvable problem or not, right? And and a lot of times you can immediately eliminate, you know, something that you're considering by just asking that simple question. Does this get me closer or mm-hmm. am I just chasing more? Yeah, exactly. So uh, knowing your game gets you closer from Alan Walker. That's awesome. That's a great, great six word update. Um, all right, so what's the third reason bad things happen in the markets. So number three is that people tend to have micro strategies that are opposed to their macro belief. We're going to need to break down some of those terms there. Let's start with macro belief. I know you're probably familiar with this term, right? I am now. (laughs) Yeah. So we we talk about macro belief in, in in terms of what is your long-term perspective. For most of us that are in real estate, we have a macro belief in real estate. We're buying rentals, we're buying multifamily. Some of us have a macro belief in commercial real estate. Um, you could have a macro belief in crypto. You could have one in, in gold. You could have one in you know, stocks. You could have one in cash, which although I, I, I wouldn't recommend. Um, you could have one in Bitcoin and Ethereum, right? The point is, is this is a personal preference on where you see a long-term store of value. Well, and I think like the best, right, for our audience, the most applicable is we all got into real estate 
for again financial freedom right and this is that cash flow like we all got into real estate for cash flow that's our macro belief we all believe in it right or i believe we all believe in it right but what's the micro strategy for most of the people in real estate wholesaling right so the active income right so that's the micro strategy for passive income but the problem is we know that we want long-term cash flow and we know we want to actively wholesale to get active income but how many of these properties are we keeping that move into from the active wholesaling into the passive cash flow not that many right uh there are a lot of people like or the realtor world like this is like the classic case in point mm -hmm. of violating mm -hmm. <laughs> the micro strategies not being in line with macro belief it is shocking to me how many real estate professionals realtors don't own real estate it's disgusting right like you have access to deals you have access to real estate and you have the gall to preach real estate and sell real estate and yet not have a rental portfolio which is far superior to the 401k the stock market mutual funds and everything else right so there's this is the classic case in point of your micro strategies not lining up with your macro beliefs mm, that's a really good one i i had not considered that one but but you mentioned it too about about wholesaling we got into wholesaling because we want to buy real estate yeah but how many wholesalers are buying real estate i mean it's 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 few and far between now you could argue that you know you need a lot of cash to buy this real estate and there's there's probably some reasons why but but essentially you nailed it right a micro strategy in that case would be wholesaling in the realtors example it would be selling real estate right yeah. you're selling real estate to do what why do you want it where are you placing your long-term store of value where do you see a, a long-term macro belief so the you know my case in point with this uh around you know because obviously i'm you know trying to figure out how to essentially use crypto to get me more real estate. That is the crypto is the micro strategy, real estate is the macro strategy. So why would I invest in crypto in the first place? It's because I'm trying to get more real estate. That's it, right? Now there are certain cryptos that I wanna hold long-term. That can also be part of my macro belief. Um, but another way you might be violating this would be to say you've, you're using crypto and you know it comes back to the the FOMO and urgency and not having a solvable problem. And and your favorite coin, you buy it, right? And it pumps, because because that that'll happen. And it'll, let's say it does hundred X, like we saw Guard do, pretty much. Um, well, the question really is, do you have a long term macro belief in that, or are you using that as a tool to get you more of your long term belief, right? Yeah. And that helps. It helps to make decisions. It helps to know when to take profit. Right? Are we taking profit to go lock in our macro belief, or are we continuing to make decisions that get us further away? Yeah, and I think you look at um, the what we're talking about the investor framework we talked about. I think last week or the week before, which is exactly it. Right? Like, if you are clear on your micro strategies and you're clear on your macro beliefs, then one tool you use is the investor framework. Right? Is like knowing what I know now, would I do this again? And so. Yeah, I think uh, if you're, if you're, I guess another case in point right now, right, is uh, with the, with the uh, investor framework is there's a lot of uh, wholesalers, fix and flippers right now that are holding on to deals 
that maybe they should let go, right? Like, hey, maybe I need to chalk this up for a 20, 30K loss. And I'm also talking to myself here, right? I'm not <laughs> excluding myself from this, right? But maybe I need to just take this loss now because I know my money would be better used elsewhere, right? Like, there might be a better deal that comes along that I can't take advantage of because I got my money tied up on this deal that I just need to get, I just need to cut ties on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the best investors take their losses quicker. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right? it's a tough, tough pill to swallow. And that goes back to your urgency, right? Like we know we should sell, but we're not because we're, we're we're now riding this emotional roller coaster. And then when it goes down, we're upset that we didn't sell at the top or on the way up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So this is this is one that I. It sounds obvious. Like right? make sure all of your micro strategies are designed to get you more of your macro belief. But we've. I looked around and I was like, man, I'm violating this all over the place. You know, I was, I was using real estate money to get crypto, but then not taking that money off the table from crypto to get me more real estate, which is really what I wanted, right? So the active money I was making in my business was supposed to go to get me long-term real estate, but I was using it to buy crypto, which again, I have a long-term belief in certain cryptos and things like that, right? So it fit but what i'm now starting to realize is okay but we need to figure out how to get the money from crypto back into long-term holds because that's where i see you know my long-term macro belief yeah and then again not to belabor this point but you know i have a lot of entrepreneurial friends that say they want to spend more time with their family but they're working 67 hours a week right that is (laughs) bingo a case in point to look at am i is my macro belief and my micro strategy is my action today lined up with what I'm telling myself? Uh, the, the the movie, you know, The Greatest Showman. I I, I talked about this before. Like that was the classic example of like, this is what I say I want, and here's my actions completely violating it. Right? I'm, I'm lying to myself and saying I'm doing this for my family when truly I'm doing this for myself. Uh, what is the what is the fourth point? Number four, we call this frequency of exposure. And you can just sum this up to saying, stop staring at charts all day. Uh, in crypto, that's what gets us, right? Is, is mm-hmm. this frequency of exposure, constantly looking at data. What we've actually found is that more data is not better. What you need is the right data at the right amount of time and the right frequency of it. So I can just relate to this uh, really well in the crypto world. It's it's really tough when you're when you can pick up your phone and, and watch that chart. In crypto, it's so volatile, right? The, the price can swing all over the place, which causes a massive emotional reaction every time you're doing it. And really what you're doing is you're just trying to get that dopamine hit, right? Let's call it what it is. You're trying to look at the chart to be like, yes, another 5%, 10% today. Um, but what we also know is that an, uh, an equivalent gain feels worse than an equivalent loss. So, you know, let's say you've got a, you know, hundred dollars in your portfolio and it's moving around all day and it jumps up to 110 and then back to 90 and each time, and you're looking at this every single time, right? And then it goes to 120 and you're like, woohoo, I'm rich and back down to eight and you're like, no, I'm poor. And it finishes the day right at a hundred, right where you started, right? You didn't, you didn't gain anything. You didn't lose anything, but the emotional toll you've absorbed through that process is significantly higher than it needs to be. Point is, is like if you just looked at that price once a day, you wouldn't have even seen all those variations. And so we find this manifesting itself in people saying, you know, I'm in crypto for the long run. I got a long-term macro belief in crypto. 
And it's like, okay, then why are you looking at charts every day? Because yeah. all you're doing is an incurring an emotional damage to your system. Frequency of exposure is a real thing and you don't, I don't think you realize it until you experience it. It doesn't show up as much in the real estate world. We're not sitting here looking at the value of our homes on Zillow every day. Refresh, refresh. Tell me how much it's worth. Has it gone up in value? I'm sure there are some homeowners that do, but not they'd be the minority, extreme right. minority. For sure. So that's what um, frequency of exposure is. So, and I think that kind of goes back to macro belief we are talking about a moment ago, right? So Alex Becker is someone I follow a lot, right? Obviously I have a Neo Tokyo citizen. He's one of the founders of Neo Tokyo. So I'm paying attention to that. And he just posted yesterday, like, I believe my macro belief is that stocks are done and crypto is done until we have a major correction. So he's literally sold everything, right? If that is his macro belief, then he should not be checking anything every single day, right? Hey. He should be just, for the next month, he probably shouldn't look at anything, Bitcoin, Ethereum, or anything else. Um, and then you got, uh, uh, for us, the real estate side, you know, what is the right frequency of exposure? Maybe it's quarterly, maybe it's annual. You know, uh, one of the things we talked about for our realtors that we've trained is like, hey, you know, sit down with your, all your clients once a year and just examine their portfolio. Give them a market update. And it's not necessarily to, you know, you don't have to run it like a, what you would get from your uh, mutual fund and a prospectus or anything like that. But just an opportunity to sit in front of a homeowner once a year. It's like, hey, you know, here's where you're at. And then just be top of mind. But, you know, I think once a year, probably not as often as it should be once a quarter, maybe, but real estate isn't volatile. Uh, like, like the, like crypto is, although, you know, if, uh, if you and I get what we want and we figure out how to effectively tokenize all properties, who knows how volatile real estate will be. Yeah. Agreed. I think it shows up in real estate in in ways that are slightly different than in the crypto world. Um, you know, you could think of this with, we manage teams, right? We have salespeople and we have businesses that we run and, you know, we're not, I'm not going to my team every single day and saying, how many calls did you make? Now, some people do that, right? Some people, their business, that. yeah, right? So it, it it's a matter, I think it comes back to as well, playing your game, right? There is a, an appropriate frequency for each player for you guys, it might be we're gonna we're gonna look at this every day, and and too much would be we're gonna look at this every hour. For mm -hmm. us, we don't look at it every day. We look at it on a weekly basis because we've got a little bit smaller routine. Um, but you can look at this across anything. The the gist here is that more data is not always better because because there's fluctuations, right? So you might look at it at one point when it's up, and then you look at it again and it's down. But what we're trying to see is a trend line. And so in general, I just look at this as like one data point does not create a decision. We can't make a decision off one data point. If you're going to make a decision, we need three of them to create a trend line. So we've got to look at it on, a, on an appropriate amount of uh, time to be able to make that decision. So it's just different in every business. It's different for every player. But defining that frequency for whatever domain you're playing in is important so you know not to look at it more often than that because data can fluctuate it can skew and it can you know because of that influence our behaviors negatively yeah you know one place it might be showing up in real estate is right now everyone's looking at the market data every single day and it's not changing every day it's trending it's trending for sure 
but looking at it every single day is probably injecting again more <laughs> pain uh, than necessary because we already know it's going down. We already know that the market's correcting. Do we need to look at it every single day to know the market's correcting, or do we just know on a weekly basis that the market's correcting? Uh, right. But but there well, are some people at it every day. You're incurring this like anxiety. Oh my gosh, yeah. the market's you know the market's crashing on Tuesday. Oh, the market's crashing on Wednesday, and it's like, yeah, but what is that? How does that influencing your behavior? It's not. Um, All it does are, is in this uh, for the long term because we know that the markets go like this. They they fluctuate. That's how markets work. So I feel like I'm throwing all the realtors under the bus and I'm obviously in that arena, right? I think all the realtors right now are freaking out all the homeowners and they're taking way lower offers than they should be taking because they've never experienced a normal market or very few has experienced a normal market because we haven't had a normal market in six years. And it, in my entire 15 year career, I've only had one normal market and that was six years ago. So I think there are a lot of people, maybe a lot of realtors overanalyzing the data and freaking their, their clients out. Um, so what's the, give, what's the last one? Let me give point? one more example, if I could, of okay. frequency yeah. exposure. And I had to check back in my notes to remind me of this. But um, think about if you're trying to lose weight, right? And weight fluctuates throughout the day. You're different. You weigh differently in the morning than at midday than at night. And, and so we don't weigh ourselves three times a day. We might weigh ourselves once a day, same time every day. We might weigh ourselves once a week because, you know, I know that throughout the week, like I'll jump around, you know, between 175 and 180. Like I could literally be jumping depending on the time of the day, depending on what I ate previously, like I will move through that spectrum. And you might look at the data and you're at 180 and then, you know, at night. Right. And then the next morning you look at it and it's like 175 and you're like, I'm losing all this weight. But then you look at it the next day and it's back to 180 again. So the point is, if you look at data too frequently, it can lead to misleading results. And, and so we have to define that frequency that's appropriate because it wouldn't make sense to weigh ourselves three times a day. No. And, you know, Paul's in good shape, so he can, it doesn't matter what time he weighs himself. For a heavier set person like myself, I only weigh myself in the mornings because that's the best number of the day. It just hurts my feelings if I measure it after lunch. So. Okay. After lunch, after dinner, it's a worthless statistic only in the mornings. Uh, so before we get to the fifth point, you know, these are things that we talk about in the Whale Club. These are things we talk about at our live events. You know, we've had Dan Nicholson here. We've had um, um, uh, Nick Peterson on here, right? Like these are, kinds, these are the kinds of things we talk about, again, in the Whale Club at our live event in September uh, next month. So what's the fifth point? Number five we say asymmetric risk and reward. So this actually brings us back to the barbell that we talked about last week. Mm -hmm. um, and what do we, what do we remember about the barbell? It's, 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 it's a bimodal strategy, which basically means think about a barbell. If you're lifting weights on a barbell, you don't load weights in the middle of the bar. It'd be really tough to pick that barbell up. If you were loading weights in the middle, we load them on the end. So it's either here or it's here. And, on one side, we have reliability, which means we want to know consistently what the results are going to be. So, you know, Nick said it well last week. If you don't know on Sunday how many hours you're going to spend in your business that week, it's not reliable. It's a job. It's it's volatile. It could take, you know, 40 hours of your time. It could take 20. It could take 60. We all have been in these businesses, right? I mean, I still am trying to get my business to be more reliable. Um, so we have the reliable side and then we have 
uh, what we call asymmetry to the upside on the other side. And the best way I've described this is there's a lot of upside and very little downside, right? How do we manufacture situations where the upside is massive, but the downside is really small? And what we see is there's a lot of ways to take advantage of that. This is what we teach in the whale club. These are the frameworks that help us make these decisions. Um, and so I'll give you a great example. Let's say you've got a marketing, let's say you've got a business where one of our businesses, right? So if I, one of the things I'm deciding right now is whether to keep direct mail, keep going with direct mail, um, you know, because we'll spend, let's say $15,000 a month on direct mail and if we get a deal, it pays it off. It pays for that, right? Let's say it's a two to one. Our average deal size can be somewhere in the $25,000 range. So let's say it's just 30, right? We spend 15 and we make 30, but we could also spend 15 and make zero, right? It's marketing very without the so. right systems can be very unreliable. Now for some operators, direct mail is extremely reliable. We spend X, we get Y. Right. If you've got that kind of a business and you've got that kind of reliability in your business, then it might make sense to consistently spend, you know, what you know you'll get back. Hey, we know we're going to get a three X return. We've got years of data to show this. We spend 15. We're going to make 45. But without that reliability, you could spend 15 and make, you know, 30, 45, but you could also make zero. We would call that a symmetric risk. The upside is good, but the downside is also pretty bad. Um, we lose 15,000 or we make 15,000. You know, those are kind of, you know, both sides of symmetry. What we would rather do is we would rather have a, a scenario where we, where we, let's say we spend 15 with really the only risk of maybe losing a couple thousand. Like the, the downside is small, but the upside is massive. And what we do in the whale club is we really focus in on that point right there. How do we manufacture situations where we've got a ton of upside and very little downside? Yeah. I mean, you look at, so for example, we made a business decision a couple of years ago to stop text blasting, right? And I know that text blasting works, uh, you know, you're texting homeowners, right? So we made the decision not to do it. It was a business decision and we knew that we were costing ourselves money, right? But we said it's worth removing it because TCPA compliance was getting more and more serious. The, the, all the cell phone providers are taking it more seriously. And uh, if we get busted, because we know people that have been busted, you know, 9K, 30K, 50K, the worst instance I've heard is someone settling for 500,000, that was for cold calling, not for texting, but like these fines add up pretty quick, right? So for me, I was like, okay, it's no longer worth it for me to put a target on my back to get sued, you know, trying to do some extra deals. Uh, but and very recently, you know, we actually got ensnared in a TCPA situation that we we didn't do it, but we got ensnared in it, and we won in court. It's like, well, now I know my risk is low. So guess what we're doing now? We're going back to texting. Like I've been sued for texting and won. So my conclusion here is my risk is not as high as I thought it was, but there's still upside. So I'm gonna start text blasting again because the risk versus reward is now lower risk and still high reward. So uh, taking that into real estate, that is an application for me. That's uh, for a great case point. Yeah, that's really good. Um, we see this in the crypto world. This is how we approach our business treasury. We yeah. teach how to, you know, business owners, real estate investors, how to build 
what we call a business treasury, which I'm sure we'll dive into on another one of these calls and specifically what that is. But, you know, what we're able to do is keep our core capital protected, reliable, consistent. We're not looking for moonshots here, right? We're looking for just reliability. What can I can count on? Let's call it eight, nine, 10, 11, 12%, something like that, very consistently. And we create what we call house money, right? We get this money, we earned it as interest, and we got it for free. I like to say we got this, you know, for free. And if we take free money and expose it to upside, to, you know, an opportunity where it could go to zero, but it could also do a 10x, 100x kind of thing, right? We have mm -hmm. these opportunities all over the place in crypto. Yeah. And the downside is, well, you just lost your free interest that you earned. Principal didn't get touched, but the upside is massive. So I, I think of a, I forget exactly how it goes, but it was a quote that, um, uh, let's see, Jeff Bezos said, let me find it real quick. Let's see, he says, if you have a 10% chance of a hundred X return, you should take that bet every time, even if it's going to feel bad nine times out of 10, right? Mm -hmm. If you have a chance to make a hundred X return, you should take that bet nine times out of 10, even if you're going to lose, well, even if you're going to lose nine times out of 10. Yeah. 100%. And, and I just think that people in the real estate world are missing it. We're not approaching crypto as a gamble. We're approaching it. as like, how do we create house money? that we can then expose to asymmetry to the upside. Yeah. Yeah. So just kind of to break it down a little bit further. So what we're talking about with the business treasury is taking what you have right now, not risking any of it, have it spit off a little extra money and take that extra money that we wouldn't have had otherwise and exposing that to a larger upside. That's exactly yeah. right. It sounds uh, so simple. It, <laughs> It, it sounds simple, but there ha you better do it right because you push the wrong buttons. It can all go to zero. Um, right. And so that's and that's what we talk about in the Well Club. So, you know, I was looking at, at this, right? Case in point, um, some people know this about myself. I'm a, I'm a Kung Fu enthusiast, right? I'm not great, but I think I can hold my own, right? I feel comfortable in a bar. I should win nine times out of 10. Um, and so what I learned, what I realized as we were talking about the barbell strategy is like, oh, my style of, you know, combat is to minimize risk and not even maximize upside. It's just reliability. My job is to just keep you from hurting me long enough until you make a mistake. And then I, you know, I end you, but, um, that's, it's just a reliability thing. I'm not going for the knockout. I'm just trying to keep myself safe. And that's a reliability and I'm, everything is geared towards reliable. There's no middle ground. There's no upside. It's just, everything is just geared for reliability i know it's going to be there it's going to be consistent because of uh, the system that we use in, in, in martial arts yep yeah so um i didn't see go ahead that's a good one I, I enjoy i really like that one that one i think about quite a bit and it's it really frames i think how we approach our investing our investing strategy is very much informed by number five there how do we create asymmetry to the upside which is basically just like how do we tip the, the scales in our favor so that the upside's big and the downside's pretty small. Yeah. So again, just to sum it up, five reasons that bad things happen in the markets. You can go through them again. Five reasons. So number one is you don't have a solvable problem. You've got to have a goal 
that you turn into a math equation so we can know whether we're getting closer or we're just chasing more. Number two, FOMO and urgency. We got to slow down. Crypto is, uh, is a dangerous space. And so we have a tendency to, to rush and to be you know, move into something very quickly. We see this in real estate masterminds where you know it's the next big thing. We got to get in. We got to do it right away. So we got to be careful of that. Number three is we got to make sure our micro strategies are in line with our macro belief. Otherwise, we're getting further away from the things that we want. Bring it back to, you know, the entrepreneur who wants a business that can support more time with his family, yet he continues to hire more and more people and expand into more and more and markets. Scale, scale, and, scale. Yeah, yeah, it's scale, scale, scale. It's like, well, this is this is chasing more likely and getting you further away from what you say your macro belief is, which is time with your family. And that can be applied to really any asset class. Number four, frequency of exposure. More data is not better. We've got to define the appropriate amount of data that we need in order to inform our decisions and stop chasing data because we want dopamine hits. And number five is we want to take, we want asymmetric upside and reward. So we want to take bets that have a really high upside with a really low downside, or they're very, very reliable. Yeah. So, I mean, those are all great points, things that I learned recently in, in, you know, learning from Paul. So like, you know, Paul is the certainty guy and he's been teaching me these principles. So I really appreciate it. And uh, if you guys want to learn more, right, we do have, we talk about this and many other principles as well uh, at the inside the whale club, right? Go to blockchainwhales.com. And then our live events in September, we got, you know, again, myself, Paul, Dan, and Nick. And then we got Dr. Jess Spencer, you know, uh, the, the guy that Tiger Woods calls when he's going through a tough patch, right? So uh, Tiger Woods, Chris Voss, Jim Quick, uh, Lance Armstrong, some, just some really, really uh, strong. Yeah. Bono. Um, it's, yeah. it's pretty impressive. The folks. Yeah. Doing. So I'm really looking forward to hearing Dr. Jess Spencer speak uh, live at our event. Uh, so, and then we also have, you know, we took everything we talked about today, but we also, you know, put it into, um, a document someone can download. How can someone find that document? So we have just opened up a members portal, I guess, on our website. So if you guys go to blockchainwhales.com, you can get, we're going to be publishing uh, new content every single week from here on out. We actually just came out with our real estate investors dictionary on crypto. So if you're brand new to this, we know that the biggest hurdle right now for real estate is just the language barrier. We're saying a lot of words and talking a lot about a lot of stuff that is just foreign to most folks in the real estate world. So we've taken the time to, to, to take those words and define them so people can really understand what we're saying. So go on that website and check out that, that PDF right now. And then today, I believe we uh, just got up the five reasons why bad things happen in the market. So you can read in depth, you know, a little bit more about this. And, and if you're interested in this type of stuff, this is what we talk about and, and teach in the whale club. These are the principles that help inform our decision. So if any of this is of interest to you guys, go definitely go check out blockchainwills.com. Tons of info, videos and stuff we're going to be adding uh, every week now. All right, perfect. All right. So as usual, thanks sir, uh, for everyone for watching and thank you, Paul, for teaching me. I'm a lifelong student and I really do love this information because I know it's making me a better investor. Yep. All right. See you later. See ya.